We are back at it again here in the Davis Record State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Coming to you a little early this week. Your boy is going out of town, and the gentlemen of the Legal Gambling Council were nice enough to oblige me and are here in studio. Before I welcome them in, I do want to remind you, like we always do, of the sponsors that make the show possible. I mentioned we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. If you need good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Mr. McCord and State Farm. They're your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi. We added a couple states this time around. Um, if you're in that state, you can get the service you want at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Davis McCord is ready to help. Call him at 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Podcast also Brought to you by our good friends at Sola on South Lamar. A place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails. Look no further than the good folks on South Lamar at Sola. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules. They are bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. So check them out at solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. We are also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this here show. You can celebrate with the best protein for your Oxford grilling needs. By going in, all you got to do is mention you listen to Podcast Rebellion, you read Red Cup Rebellion, you, uh, you're a fan of Red Cup, you can tell them you saw a sticker for Red Cup Rebellion somewhere around Oxford, anything pertaining to this show or the website, and Greg and the good folks will hook you up with a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a pack of sausage for $5. $20 deal for an outstanding dinner, could be for one, could be for two, could be for four. A lot of food at a great price point. It is the Podcast Rebellion perk. Go see Greg and the folks at LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue, and get hooked up. All you got to do is just tell them Red Cup sent you, and they will give you a hell of a deal. Without further ado, gentlemen, let's dive in to week one. How are we doing this evening? Awesome. What's up, week one? Week one. Man, I... I I'm unable to sound that excited. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm ready for the week to get started. Week zero was was fantastic um, over here. Went ahead. It was from a gambling through. standpoint. It was, yeah. I mean, I mean, just through, went ahead and was just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going all in on all five games. We're doing a parlay, and uh, you know, some things went uh, went this way. So it was good. Um, Nick, we, we I believe we, we, we picked Illinois money line. I know I did. We did. We had that. We went we, as, mean, as a group. We went three in UConn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we already, we already dog. We already dog Nick. Um, he went out on the limb, um, all on his lonesome, and took the over. Uh, alas, it did not hit. But uh, Austin went ahead with the uh, Texas El Paso. Mighty Miners, minus 10, cha-ching. Benjamin, UCLA, minus 17 and a half, cha-ching. And then myself took Illinois, plus seven. Lock of the fucking century. 
against Nebraska's assy Cornhuskers. <laughs> and um, it was a good week. So, uh, Nick, we know you're going to pick it up this week. So, uh, no worries there. But, all right, um, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in, Nick. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm tossing the keys to you across the studio, and uh, let's fire it up. All right. Well, in fairness to me on that, that game last week, I, I, you know, I thought UConn was going to have the fresh legs. They had 698 days, I think, since their last game. I thought they would score <laughs> a point. Um, and I was wrong. I mean, I had over 63 and what was the final 45 to nothing. So I was half right on that. So that's that know. really is just a really tough beat. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. You, one team, you know, laid down the, the hammer and they did 45 points. I thought. I, and I, that's pretty much what I thought would happen. I thought it'd be like 52 to 14 and it would go over and it just, you know, you, that, that's just UConn. But all right, uh, let's start on Thursday night with uh, this kind of kind of a big one. It's going to be on Fox. I think it's going to be in 4K for those of you lucky enough to Ooh. watch it in 4K. Uh, Ohio State minus 14 at Minnesota and that over under 63. Mm. Yeah, I'll just go I'll ahead go and jump first here. Um, Oh, Nick, are you about to lock it in? Go ahead. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna lock in a different number than what you're expecting. I'm gonna go lock in the under 63 because I think Ohio State's defense is good. Their entire team's good. They're not gonna score above 50, and I don't think Minnesota's gonna score 20. So yeah, I'm locking in I'm, under 63. I'm gonna lock in the Ohio State Buckeyes to cover the spread. Yeah. Um, yeah for the same reasons day. that you just said. I, I I'm not I'm not a believer in Minnesota. I think the cuteness is wearing off and I know it's week one and, and people will be quote unquote, um, uh, what, what would you call it? Sloppy, not Ohio state. They're never sloppy and they always, always, uh, just dominate lesser opponents. So, uh, give me the Buckeyes, lock it in. Yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I don't really get the hype here. I know Tanner Morgan's back, but I'm with you. Like, things are – I mean, what was it? Minnesota what, won 10 games two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, two Let's years ago, I think. Let's look it up. We got the internet. Um, yeah, PJ Ten games Black. two years ago. Played Auburn yeah. in the – 11, uh, 11 and 2. Outback Bowl, maybe? Yeah, won the Outback Bowl 11 and 2. That was in 2019. That feels like it was like seven years ago. Um, you know, three and four a year ago. I, I know the quarterback's back, but it's Ohio State. I, Ohio State typically plays non-conference games week one, and they always come out, and they lay it on whoever the hell they're playing. They do not care. Um, even though it's a conference opponent, I, I don't think it's going to be any different. I look for – um, CJ Stroud and the rest of the Buckeyes to just absolutely hammer the Gophers. So, yeah, I would lay the points as well. Yeah, I like both of the picks. I think you you both have winners there. Uh, Nick, I think there's a chance for some weather uh, in Minnesota Ooh, on Thursday. Some wind love rain, it. Maybe so. That only, <laughs> that only supports your under even more. Um, just playing devil's advocate, Minnesota does return a ton. I saw a crazy stat today. They have 182 career starts returning on the offensive line, which is apparently the second most in college football history. I don't think it's going to matter at all. I just thought that was a wild stat. Um, that is a wild stat. Yeah, Ohio you- State's – 
just too deep though on both sides of the ball. Wait, give, give me that stat one more time. 182 career starts on the offensive line. Good lord. Yeah, it's a ton of football. But again, how is that possible? I don't think it matters. And if the they were any good, deal, right? If they were any good, they would have gone pro. So, um, yeah. I, I think Ohio State's just too deep on both sides. Best receiving core in the country. Their quarterback is good enough to get it done. Minnesota can't keep pace here. Um, they're going to probably try to play keep away, I would assume, with their good running back and experienced offensive line, but I, I don't see it. I think Ohio State gets, what, high 30s. Minnesota stays low 20s. I think uh, both of you are good, Nick and Ben. If anything, the the watchability here, just, just to see what TCF Bank Stadium looks like, because I would love for Ole Miss to – somehow find a way to demolish Vaught Hemingway and just build something like that because it is a gorgeous brand new mm-hmm. stadium. And it's the perfect size too. With the view of downtown too. It's pretty cool. Completely uh, yeah, the, agree. Twin, the Twin Cities. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one is uh Friday night. That's a very, very good Friday night game. Uh UNC with their, you know, famous quarterbacks, you know, possible top pick in the upcoming draft. Goes to Virginia Tech. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a full stadium in Blacksburg. Uh, UNC minus five and a half over under 64 and a half. That's a very good Friday night matchup. Love a Friday night ACC matchup in Blacksburg. Hopefully it's full. And I, I just, you know, the Metallica is going to be cranked up. <sighs> I like North Carolina to cover here. Maybe a little backdoor action. First game of the year, I think they'll be a little rusty. I think Virginia Tech's going to be okay. You know, Justin Puente, you know, you talk about the cuteness of of uh, P.J. Fleck kind of wearing off. Um, I, I don't think Justin Puente was ever, you know, cute with how he did things. But, you know, 10-4 and four his first year, won the division, won the Belk Bowl, and then – after that, nine and four, six and seven, eight and five. They were five and six a year ago. I don't think they're going to be terrible, but I think that this is just going to be kind of one of those, you know, the team with the better quarterback and the deeper roster and the better players is just going to kind of run away with it late. So, yeah, I would anticipate, you know, a single score game, maybe up by 10 late um, and hold on or uh, maybe up by, you know, six or seven and then put it away with a late touchdown here. So I'd, I'd like the points. Go ahead, Austin. What's your number again, Nick? Let's see. I've got it at five and a half. Uh, you can probably shop around depending on which side of the line you're looking for. I think you can get it. Uh, I, I can't. I can't actually find it on this site. But yeah, five and a half and over under sixty four and a half. All right. Let's do. Uh, let me lock in the hills. Laying five and a half. Um, it feels square, especially opening at Lane Stadium. Um, Against Virginia Tech, I know a lot of people are probably going to be on that dog, but this is not the Virginia Tech of, of years past. And mm-hmm. Fuente is absolutely on the hot seat this year. That locker room has been in disarray for, I don't know, maybe basically throughout his entire tenure. They lost a quarterback to Tennessee in the transfer portal at the beginning of the season. I guess one of the few teams that actually lost uh, to Tennessee in the transfer portal rather than gaining a player there. But um Speaking of getting a player from Tennessee, North Carolina replaces two of their NFL backs with Ty Chandler from Tennessee. I think their run game may see a little drop off, but but nothing significant. I think Sam Howell is 
you know, a top five quarterback in the country. Virginia Tech's quarterback is not very good at all. There's only so much that inner Sandman can do for you. You know, after that first quarter, some of that stuff kind of wears off. And I think a better football team just wins. Uh, I think the, the Tar Heels put it away late in the second half with Phil Longo going 900 miles an hour in every down and distance scenario. Um, so let's say Hills get to 38, uh, Virginia Tech. 21. I think uh, UNC wins going away here. I'll comfortably lay the five and a half and lock it in. Yes. Oh, you're locking this in? Yep. This kind of feels like a legacy number here from Virginia Tech. Like, I agree completely. It's a big name. North Carolina, not exactly a big name in college football. They're at Lane Stadium, which is another big name. I, there's just not – nothing about North Carolina is super flashy, I guess, from a, a national standpoint in the past. And I, I just think that they're just sleeping on them because it's North Carolina versus Virginia Tech. If this was uh, Florida State with the talent that they've got and the coaching that they've got uh, at North Carolina, but w- with Florida State across their chest, they'd probably be minus nine. I completely so, agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's a good number. Uh, all right. This is uh, – hey, I didn't this, get hey, to pick. Wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bite. Got um, uh, <laughs> We uh, – uh, I'll be quick. I think North Carolina um, – covers the five and a half. I won't go into any more detail from Austin. Um, but I do have a question. What is the total in this game? 64 and a half. <sighs> okay. I, I'm all, we're going to table that for now. I, yeah. I might have to, I might have to lock in the over on that one, but we'll table. Well, it for, ooh, the over. I will say, okay. I will say real quick, talking about the legacy here. Brief sidebar, just to talk about the legacy and how it is earned. I believe that we've talked about this offline before. Virginia Tech played in three access bowls in the 90s. Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, and then the Sugar Bowl in 99, obviously, for the uh, national title that they lost against Florida State when they had Michael Vick. The run that Frank Beamer had from 2004 to 2011 is fucking insane. Are y'all ready? Mm. Here we go. 2004, 10 and 3. 2005, 11 and 2. 2006, 10 and 3. 2007, 11 and 3. 2008, 10 and 4. 2009, 10 and 3. 2010, 11 and 3. 2011, 11 and 3. Hmm. And then he had four seasons where they were kind of mediocre, three, seven, and six seasons, and then one, eight, and five season. But that run from 2004 to 2011 is wild. Oh, I agree. Period. Here's the problem, though. Virginia Tech hasn't recruited anywhere near that level since then, basically. North Carolina is right now the better football program. So it's just quickly how things can change. Oh, yeah. Um, and like Nick said, I think – I think we're still getting some of that afterglow in this number uh, and the mystique around Lane Stadium. I think the better team is just going to win the game, and that is unquestionably North Carolina at this point. Yeah. Also, fun fact, uh, Frank Beamer grew up in Fancy Gap, Virginia, which is a great name. Fancy Gap. Yeah. All right. Carry on. Yeah. the uh, This is a game I'm going to pick, so I'm just going to lead it off with Tulane. Uh, no longer hosting Oklahoma. They'll have had a long week. I think they've earned – uh, evacuated to Birmingham on uh, on Saturday. They go to Oklahoma. Uh, the upper deck's not going to be open, I saw, for this, and Tulane's going to get all the proceeds. Oklahoma minus 31 and a half. And I'm going to go ahead and lock in under 69. Oh, wow. Because I just 
I mean, is OU really going to do that to evacuees? And I just had yes. some good in the world. No, do you think they're going to care? There's some good in the world. If Tulane can get a few first downs, no, there's not. Which I, <laughs> which I think Tulane can get a few first downs. It'll shorten the game. Um, I'm thinking that this game's going to be played uh, on Oklahoma's side in the low 50s, and on Tulane's side in the teens. You can add those up. 52-17 is 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 69. Anything less than that wins. So I'm going under 69. Man, that's risky. They're not going to do it. They're not. You you can't. And also, I just think offenses start a little slow at the beginning of the year. They just, especially Tulane's offense. But Oklahoma's not going to beat Tulane by 50. I guess when I see a number that big, can you imagine the money on the under and it's still at 69? Well, I mean, yeah, Oklahoma's got a really good offense and, you know, a top five or six QB in the country too. I, it seems like, it's like my over one on six. the Kansas bet. I'm a sucker for a sucker bet. I like the pick. I just, man, that's just, I mean, this is, this is a draft year for Spencer Rattler and it has come to my attention over the past couple of weeks that Lincoln Riley is apparently just a humongous shithead to media. So I find it very unlikely that he's going to give a shit about evacuees. He's just going to score. And I don't think that makes him a bad person or that he doesn't care about the well-being of people in Louisiana. I think he's just a football coach and it's not his job to slow his offense down. No, but I, I do think that, I mean, truthfully, I think that the 11 a.m. start, it's going to have been. I pick, though, because Tulane's not awful. Well, it's going to have been a weird week for Oklahoma, too. I mean, you know, sure, eight sure, sure. days ago they were. And, I mean, coaches like getting on the road they like that having that routine so that they can go ahead and get that out of the way because if you get that out of the way that road trip that first night in the hotel that you're not staying you know in norman or in oklahoma city wherever you are and you can go out and beat a bad team that's an easy way to kind of settle in and the fact that they're not doing that they didn't have to get on a plane this week you know it's going to be different it's going to be first of all i'm sure it's going to be hot but second of all there's going to be, you know, 50,000 folks in the stands, which will be a little different. I mean, you guys have seen, um, I, I think back when LSU hosted South Carolina a few years ago, it was supposed to have been a South Carolina home game. And there was, you know, like 35,000 people there. It's it's jarring to yeah. see. And so I just think, you know, you throw them off a little bit. It's an early game. And I, I think, I, no, I don't necessarily think they're going to slow it down because they're playing a team of evacuees. But I just think it's going to be a little bit of a weird game. Yeah, you're you're probably right. I think that's the only way to play it, Nick. So I'll be rooting for you. I, I certainly couldn't go <laughs> under here. Uh, but with Tulane losing Will Hall in the off season, and now having to go on the road, um, you have to think that you know their routine has been interrupted a little bit. They've had to prepare this week and scramble. Um, you know, as long as they stay in the teens, like you said, low twenties, I think you're fine. Uh, the problem is if Oklahoma throws in the backups and Tulane gets up to 27, 28, you might have a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. For the for the game, I'm, I'd lay the thirty one and a half from Oklahoma. Is that so what too. the line was? Yeah, thirty one and a half. You think you can get yeah. it at thirty one? Man, I'd, I'd you can't get it at thirty one. Just thirty one I mean, and a half. I would lay that. They too. could, because they could be up like forty nine to seventeen or something, or you know mm-hmm. fifty two twenty, and then they put in Caleb Williams, the freshman, 
uh, from DC, and then he lights it up and throws three touchdown passes, and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. So, Goes out and scores again. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem when you've got you know the 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 playoff teams going in in the non conference. They their backups are as good as you know, yeah, Ole Miss's <laughs> seniors, and we're yeah. talking about a SEC program, not right. Tulane. I mean, there's not a guy on Tulane's roster that would be in the two deep at Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Also, 11 a.m. Uh, on Big Fox, Penn State travels to Wisconsin. We'll jump around. Uh, you can get this either five and a half or five, depending on which side you're looking at. And then the over-unders at 50. All right. Going to go ahead and jump in here. Uh, head first, under, lock in. Whoa. Um, kind of, you know, what you said earlier, Nick, offenses early in the year, a little slow to get going. Uh, I don't think either school is going to be super high powered. Um, offensively it's an 11 AM game first of the season conference matchup, big time rival top 20 matchup. Um, I saw James Franklin and, and Alice Beach, and he was really struggling in the heat. So I don't know, really know how he's going <laughs> to fare in week one. Um, yeah, I'm taking the under. I feel like this is going to be just like a really throwback Big Ten game, you know, something like 25-23 or something. It'll be close, but I'm taking the under. Man, I love Penn State in this game. I, I really considered locking in Penn State in the points. Uh, Wisconsin's defense should be really salty. I think they returned 16 starters overall, offensive defense. Um, Jim most Leonard's of that, still there. Yeah, and most of that's on the defensive side of the ball. So um, they'll be good. But Graham Mertz last year started the year on fire and then was kind of fraudulent down the stretch. Now, I know he had some COVID issues and, and missed some time, but um, – I think Penn State is much better than we saw them last year. They were missing their, I guess, top two running backs and maybe a wide receiver and a couple of defensive opt-outs as well. So I don't think you're going to see that Penn State team this year. I don't know that they're going to contend for the Big Ten or anything, but I just think they're a much better product than they were last year. And I'm I'm kind of skeptical of Wisconsin on offense. I completely agree with you, Zach. It feels like a traditional Big Ten, you know, rock fight. And in games like that, those points are at a premium. If I'm getting over a key number of four, five looks really enticing there. So I may double back to that uh, later in the show. And Nick, just to head yeah. up, I'm sending you the screenshot here. I did see it at 50 and a half. So I'm going to go ahead and lock that in. Not just the 50. I'll get the hook. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, think- big, big half point there, even though I I think you're probably safe at under 40 and a half. Um, I, uh, I think it's going to be 20 to 20, somewhere around that 20, you know, 20 to 17. This has, you know, rock fight all over it. I'm actually going to take Wisconsin and lay the points um, uh, at home. I, you know, the quarterbacks, a sophomore, he's going to be better. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Penn State yet. I know that uh, I would trust Austin over me, but like I said, I, I just I think an early kick at Camp Randall. I mean, it's just like classic Big Ten football. I can hear the announcers now. 
on on ESPN, and it's going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be a good game either way. I'm not going to play this game in real life, but if I were to do it, I would probably take under 50 and a half. And a matter of fact, I see 51 and a half, Zach, but um, I think you're oh. safe either way. Whoa, where do you see 51 and a half? I'll send it. Hang on. All right. I can't wait. Well, I can't wait till they do the. Uh, y'all keep going. The painting shots of the crowd, Nick, and we see the uh, student section with the uh, with the uh, pointed roof, with the uh, throwback W on the crest. Oh, up there. Yeah, that's a good one, man. Such a in good the logo. veins. Um, all right, all right, we'll we'll on. circle back if we get the fifty one. Let's uh, let's get to. Uh, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't. It, that could have been what it opened on this. I, it opened at fifty three and a half. Yeah, just, if that tells yeah. you where the money is. Yeah, yeah. we're good. Right. We're good. Bama got man. I, this is I'm locking in. This is in at some point. I'll let you guys speak <laughs> on it first, but I'm locking in a specific number on this. Alabama is this is a neutral site game. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. That's yeah, correct. yeah. It's, it's a, not. Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. Yeah, it's in and, the overrated city of Atlanta. <laughs> well, it's a nice I'm, opener for the Rebs. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're the opener. Yeah. This is the, this is the matinee. The opening uh, for the night it's game. For, for the Rebs. <laughs> Bama minus 18 and a half right. uh, against Miami. I, I'm i just going to go ahead, if you guys don't mind, since I've got the mic here, uh, I'm going to lock in the first half minus 10 and a half for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. 18 is a big number. If you told me that Florida scored late and lost by, I mean, Miami scored late and lost by 17. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard crazier things. Ten and a half first half, I get. That's losing the hook. That's a big deal. But Alabama's not going to start off slow. They've got no reason to. Uh, I mean, I, I guess maybe they've got questions at quarterback or whatever. But I don't. Miami's not that good. I'm just not really no. sure why they're getting. To me, honestly, eighteen kind of seems a nicety towards out towards Miami. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if if they got the refer. Uh, got the memo that like nil deals um cool recruiting pictures and like sick edits don't count for anything in 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 real games um this is going to be an absolute ass beating i would be just incredibly floored if alabama doesn't just run them out of the fucking building i don't understand the hype around miami Derek king before the knee injury was a great quarterback i don't really know how he's going to be on a completely reconstructed knee against an Alabama defense. And look, dude, death taxes and openers with Nick Saban, it's always just a fucking bloodbath. You remember how it was? All the hype around the Alabama Southern Cal opener, and then they absolutely just blew their doors off. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, this is a track meet. Like, not a chance. So, Miami, um, they've got (laughs) – this is last year's numbers. I don't know what it is for 2021. I should have done it. I, I did it for 2020. In 2020, so one year ago, Miami's average star rating in on their team, guess what it was? Mm, like, three, re, like recruiting star. 3.53. 3.53, which is a little higher than I thought it'd be. It, it, I thought it would be 3.3 three or 3.4. However, do you know how many four and five stars were on their roster? total 33 12, 12. you know how many are on alabama's roster oh, Over, i don't even have to look at it like 70. 60 70 yeah. they're two or three times as good as miami i mean this isn't going to be close 
Alabama lay the points. I mean, I really want to lock it in, and I might circle back and do it. No, let's just go in and do it. Like me in Alabama, laying the points. Did you say you had 18 yeah. and a half? I'll gladly take it because the last line I saw was 19 and a half. I, I don't think there's any way that Miami stays within three touchdowns of Alabama. And and this is one of those where, you know, Saban comes out and just absolutely imposes his will. And, and the thing, thing about Alabama this year is, is – or every year really is their new quarterback has to make a name for himself. And it's like, they have a new one every single year. Mm -hmm. So, so there is Bryce Young's not going to waste any time before he's good. And, and Miami, frankly, is not going to have as much success against Alabama as, as like half the SEC schools will. And that, all that is relative when you play them. So if I'm going to, I, I just have to lay them and lock it in. All right, I got right. you at eight, 18 and a half. Yeah. So, uh, Bama is number 129 in the country in returning production this year. Oh. Um, they replace Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, not just the players. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, not just players, though. Four new assistants on the offensive side of the ball, including Bill O'Brien, um, who, you know, last time we saw him was getting fired at Houston with a really good quarterback and an offense or what should have been. Um, so I, I'm a little skeptical of Bama's offensive production. Miami returns nine starters on defense. Now the two guys that they're missing are pretty big pieces. Both of those guys, defensive ends went pro um, Miami secondary is actually pretty salty. Um, but I think you are completely right. That top to bottom, these rosters are, are not even close. I mean, Miami is not in Alabama's tier. Miami's not even in the second tier of college football at this point in their program. Um, and on defense, Bama returns eight starters. That's the most they've brought back since 2011. I, I'm not sure that Miami gets <laughs> higher than three touchdowns here. So I think Bama probably finds a way to cover that 18. I love the under. I bet it in real life when it was 66 a week ago. I think it's been beat up since then. But I I don't see Miami getting to the 30s. Bama is not going to look like they did last year, but they probably still get to, what, 38, 42? So 42, 21? Um, mm -hmm. That feels okay. about right, right? I mean, honestly, guys, when in doubt, just look at the uniforms. Alabama wears Nike. Miami is Adidas. <laughs> Fade Adidas play? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I mean, I I love everything everybody's saying. Um, speaking of loving what people are saying, we're going to take our break here. Hear from the other sponsors that make the show possible. When we come back, we will have more picks, more locks, more games to discuss as week one is just absolutely fucking loaded. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, 
cocktails. What's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis, and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. back here on a podcast rebellion legal gambling council week one 
Nicholas, let's keep this train rolling. Who we got next? All right. We've got um, – you know, let, let's do this. this. This is a team that we saw last week and uh, just beat the, beat the stew out of Southern Utah. Um, going to USC, <laughs> which is – I mean, who knows about USC? It just kind of feels like they're looping around and, and figuring out what they want to do with the program. Uh, San Jose State's catching 14 at USC. It's a 4 o'clock game on the Pac-12 network. I got As you know, if nobody else, go ahead, Zach. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I was, I was listening to a podcast earlier and um, Tom Luganbill of ESPN, um, who apparently can't figure out that high schools are real or not, but um, he had a lot of thoughts on this game. He said that he's getting a lot of buzz about San Jose State and uh, this possibly being a little bit of a trap scenario for the Trojans. Um, I don't know if I, really agree here i mean i think nick starkle is really good um and shout out to san jose state for helping me out last week on that parlay but this one is a bit tricky i I don't know how tricky um i know austin said he's got a lock here so i'll let him have the floor but yeah i mean this one could get a little squirrely yeah i like san jose state i just don't know if their roster is equipped to keep up was it at 14 and a half right now nick uh, yeah, I'm seeing uh, – I see a 14. Let me double-check on that for you. What's the total? Um, let's see, San Jose. Total at 59.5. I actually see uh, anywhere from a 14 to a 15, so it kind of depends on what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah, so let's lock in over 59.5. I don't know that San Jose State can keep pace with USC for an entire four quarters, but what I am confident in is San Jose State – getting at least four touchdowns and probably up near 31, 35 points. And so if the spread is anywhere close to being accurate, you're you're saying USC is getting up to 45, 48, uh, which I can see against San Jose State's defense. They're a really potent offense, at least for that conference, for the Mountain West. Their defense, though, is not great. And if nothing else, I expect USC's athletes to at least be able to score with uh, Graham Harrell's offense there. Um, so yeah, let's go over 59 and a half. Let's call it, uh, 48, 38, man, mm. that's 86. Yeah. Um, I, I think it goes away. Every San Jose state's not going to stop them. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. And one, um, way to look at this is, you know, Nick Starkle has been everywhere. It's not like he's used to playing, you know, FCS opponents or, a group of five opponents. I mean, he was at A&M and Arkansas. So the guy's used to playing that speed of football, and that's going to help San Jose State tremendously. I mean, he's got to be 35 years old now, maybe 40. I don't know. (laughs) So, like, he's not going to get nervous at all in that kind of environment, whatever that may be at USC. But um, I I, I agree. I like the overpick here a lot. If I had to pick the line, I might take the points as well. I'm not going to lock anything in, but I would probably take San Jose State if I get 15. It just seems like a lot. And um, for somebody who's got a a 40-year-old quarterback. Yeah, I also forgot to mention San Jose State got in a tune-up in week one, which I like the fact that Stark Mm -hmm. on the offense have had a chance to go out, stretch their legs a little bit against uh, Southern Utah last week. Again, the the level of competition is going to be a completely different universe. So I'm not suggesting anything about you know, preparation for this level of talent. I just mean it, they played somebody other than, you know, their own defense. They had game prep. They had install. Um, 
I like the fact that they've gotten some work in. So again, just get into the 30s, and I think it goes over easily. Yeah, yeah. I I love this pick. Um, for some reason, I, I get the vibe that a lot of Clay Helton teams get off to slow starts in the beginning of the year, and then they kind of hit their stride and really start playing well mid to late season. Um, so yeah, we could have a little bit of a back and forth, you know, track meet here. Um, but like Austin said, I think the the better athletes are going to be in the uh, whatever you call it, the red and gold, whatever they call their. I don't even know what it is, but yeah, the SC on the helmet is what's going to be doing a lot of the scoring. Um, but yeah, I like the pick. All right. There's a there's two kind of two headliners at least from an SEC fan perspective. I think a lot of folks will be watching LSU UCLA, but we'll start with uh, UGA. Uh, it's catching three uh, against Clemson, and I don't know uh, if there's any other line that you're going to get. I think it's going to be three pretty all pretty much all around, uh, and over under anywhere from fifty and a half to fifty one and a half. Oh. I don't know how everybody else feels about this one. I, I, I'm really struggling with this one. Um, I think what I'm going to do is just lean, you know, maybe a little recency bias with how college football has kind of shifted to more of an offensive game. And it's more about who your quarterback is, how well your offense operates, you know, a lot, you know, nineties, early two thousands. It was a lot of, Man, if you had a good defense, all you had to do was just kind of figure it out offensively. And, uh, you know, defense would would win you a championship. Defenses would keep you in it, would win you games on the road. This is a neutral site game, so it's kind of a home game for Clemson being in Charlotte anyway. But I'm probably – I'm leaning Clemson here just because of the quarterback. I think he's – I think DJ Uyunglele is a better quarterback than JT Daniels. Uh, I think this is a really close game, but I like Clemson here. Did we say the spread? Was it three? Yeah, three even. I would probably lay the points, and Clemson just kind of runs away with it late. Um, I don't really know if N'Kobe Dean and that defense can do it all. Um, I think JT Daniels is good, but I just don't know how good – you know, Eric Gilbert's – I don't know what his situation is. I don't know if he's playing. George Pickens is out for the year. I don't really know what kind of weapons they have offensively. You know they're going to have a good running back. You know, it's Georgia, so rinse and repeat there. But Clemson's going to be salty up front in the front seven. They're going to be able to stop the run, I think. And I just like Uyangalele and that offense to do enough to, to cover there. So, yeah, I'd lay the points. So, I, I mean, I watched this Georgia team – a couple times last year. Truthfully, I didn't watch them a ton. They weren't all that exciting to me, but I wasn't in love with with really anything they did offensively, and I don't think JT Daniels is much over a game manager. He's a good one at that, but I, I just don't – I don't think he's a guy that can go out and win a game. I, and I, I guess there's three questions that I would pose. Who's the more talented QB in this game? Right. Yeah, and it, I think it, I think I think a lot of people are putting a lot of credence into Todd Munkin and being able to rejuvenate his career, and I I just don't see it yet. Maybe maybe they, later in the Munkin year. Last year, yeah, they did, and so, I think yeah. 
And that's kind of like a, Oh, second year in the system. But like, right. again, if, if George Pickens was healthy and you had Eric Gilbert going along with Darnell Washington tight end position, you got a lot of stuff going on over there. I, without those two, because I mean, Pickens was as good as anybody a year ago, but right. uh, Nick, you were probably going to get to it. I mean, Cincinnati gave them all they could handle yeah. in that ball game. So well, I like and, Clemson. And the, other, the other two questions are, who, who has a better coach? I don't think there's any doubt about it. It's Dabo. Oh, and then, especially in a big game. Yeah, and then I, you know, the, the final question is, who's got the more talented roster? And I think it's, I still think it's Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, I just at that point it, it's three points, and I don't. How often do college games come down to three or less? It's typically not that often. I mean, you know, a, a four to seven point college game is very, very normal. I mean, for for Clemson to beat them, you know, thirty four twenty eight would be nothing at all. I would take Clemson to the points. I would almost lock this in. I've already got three locks. I'm not going to, but I, I just think Clemson's better. They're better coach. They've got a better quarterback, and those are the three things I'm looking at in a college game. I, I, I don't know what else there, there would be for me to want to pick. You know what? Players. You know what, Nick? And I might be still Ben Thunder here. I'm going to go ahead and lock it in. Love it. I, you know, I was actually going to um, take Georgia here. Um, and it, okay. Not, listen to me now. Their defense is going to be very good. I, I think Georgia's oh, yeah. defense oh, yeah. is actually going to be better than Clemson's defense. The problem is JT Daniels. I mean, he's just not very good. And I'm with you, Nick. Like, when I watched Georgia on TV last year, it was like paint dry. They did nothing exciting ever. And I get it, Ole Miss fans, we are very used to – I mean, can you remember other than the – you know, we've got the mental block of the Mac Luke years, but other than the couple – you know, one or two years under him, even in the first couple years, we had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, so we were exciting. Phil Longo, that kind of deal. But, you know – so we're used to high-powered offenses in Oxford. Man, Georgia is just so boring and bland. And I think the real pick here for me would be under the 50-and-a-half or 51-and-a-half yep. just because I think that the the air is literally going to be taken out of the football in this game. But I got to go with Clemson. I, I mean, frankly, if you're going to um, take Georgia in the points, you might as well just go on and play Georgia Moneyline because I also agree that college football games don't come down to less than three points. Not unless you're an Ole Miss fan and you're playing LSU for the SEC West. Otherwise, <laughs> it, they're, it's just, it's, they're always touchdown games. I think Clemson wins this one by set between seven and 11. And, um, I, you know, I just I, going away with it late simply because I don't think Georgia's got the offensive firepower to hang with them. It, it, although Georgia's defense is very good and they could absolutely keep them in the game, I just think, like I said, their offense just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I, the more we talk about it, the more I'm seeing Clemson up six. Georgia has a chance to win it, and JT Daniels throws a pick, and they kneel on it. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a yeah, great. So. That's a great prediction. It's going to go that way for somebody. I think the game is a coin flip in terms of the spread. I, you know, I, I think exactly what Zach says is going to play out though. Like they're going to both run the ball for three quarters, and then somebody's going to throw a back breaking pick, and 
and win, you know, 27-21 or whatever. I think both defensive lines dominate this game from the jump. Um, Clemson's offensive line struggled down the stretch last year against teams with far lesser talent than Georgia. But I'm going to disagree with Ben here. I'm just quibbling at this point. I think Clemson's front seven is going to be the best in the country, and Georgia may be a close second. But I think Clemson's front four especially are just monsters, and Dabo's recruited at an elite level there, maybe even better than Bama in the last couple cycles. Um, I think they're they're going to dominate Georgia's O line. I, mean, I think Georgia's going to cause major problems for Clemson's O line. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty boring game, actually. And for, that's, for yeah, that gives you more reason to take the under. Exactly. So I think it's going under here. I think it's a 27-21 win. Somebody, um, again, somebody throws a back-breaking interception late in the fourth. The other team just takes the air out of the ball. It's going to be a punt fest. Like again, for the football purist among us, I think they will love this game. You're going to see super talented teams playing what will look like a minor league NFL game, but I, I don't see it going over 50 and a half. I mean, here's the crazy thing, and I kind of agree with both of you here because Ben mentioned how good the defense is at Georgia. I think they could probably end up being the best defense in the country um, at the end of the year with just how good they are from top to bottom. But the the argument that Austin made for Clemson is certainly one that needs to be heard. I mean, if you look at this, 2020, they signed one, two, three guys – in the front seven, there are five stars. In 2019, they signed. Uh, but while you look at that, Zach, I'll I'll piggyback off of that. So Clemson's roster has three players. Well, they've got one, two, three, six players that are better than a 99 rating on 24/7 <laughs> composite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five of the six. Well. I take that back. Four of the six are on defense. Four of the six are on the defensive line. And th- and the t- best three players on their team are uh, defensive linemen. Brian Breezy is the, or however you say is a Brezzy, is the highest rated player ever. He's a point nine 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 five. So that guy, and he's a defensive lineman. They've got Xavier Thomas, a defensive end, and Miles Murphy. All three are going to be on the D-line. All three better than .9965. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So, Those are defensive line. Like, that's like having four Robert Kimdichis. That's right. So that's what I was going to say was you got – so going back to 2017, which I'm pretty sure these guys are still on the roster. I just Googled it to make sure. But you got Jordan Williams, four-star defensive end. Um, Justin Foster, four-star defensive end. And then you mentioned Breezy. You mentioned Xavier Thomas, um, and um, KJ Henry. I mean, you KJ, can you, KJ Henry, but it's not just star. them. Trenton Simpson's at linebacker. Andrew Boos at cornerback. We're talking about all these guys are five stars. Barrett Carter's a five star linebacker. Also, then, you're right. I mean, they're the best defense in the country. Now, I think Georgia's is very good too, though. I think George is right there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah. I think George's defense is going to have success against Clemson's offensive line. And I just double checked. It looks like Clemson is going to be rotating their their center because there's an injury. So their starter may play some, but um, so they're banged up on the O line too. It's, it's going to be a stalemate for three quarters. That's right. And the, the That's probably right. the the most insane thing to think about is if Will Muschamp is not still in Columbia, Clemson signs Zach Pickens. And 
um, Jordan Birch, who were both five-star defensive linemen. Yeah. So think about that defensive line with Breezy, uh, KJ Henry, uh, the Xavier Thomas, and then you add Birch and Pickens. I mean, that's five guys right there that are five stars. So we all know about Georgia and the blue chip ratio that they have on their roster. But, I mean, people sleep on Clemson because of how really the, – Because the ACC. How, well, that – Yeah. You know, Dabo's kind of weird with how he recruits. He's kind of nefarious with how he's like, well, if you commit to us, you can't go anywhere else. Mm. So, like, if – You know, so you don't really know their players. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And but after, I mean, they, like, after they commit. Yeah, but they've gotten to this level to where they can act like that. But like, just like that, that I thought about that while we were talking that if Will Muschamp had already been fired, they would have gotten those other two five stars, which those two guys are in Columbia and, you know, the Garnet Garnet and Black. But yeah, I mean, still like it's stupid how loaded they are. So yeah, it's probably the two best defenses in the country playing in week one, which is just going to be loads of fun. Yeah. All right. So that was, uh, I think that's pretty much definitely the headliner but there, there is still one more game uh at least on saturday of note in the sec uh, uh it's gonna be a good one i think this ucla team uh having having played last week but i think that's a lot bigger deal than, than people are going to give it credit mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. uh so ucla excuse me lsu travels to ucla uh, i think they were in houston uh this week and they're flying out on thursday to ucla to get acclimated i guess uh, to being out there. So uh, LSU minus three at UCLA over under started at 70 down to 65. All right. Sheesh. So it's a big move. So y'all can probably walk me, walk me back here. I feel like this is just Vegas, like really just dangling the fruit. I, I want to believe and I want to think that Dorian Thompson-Robinson and and UCLA can play spoiler here. I I, I liked how they looked last week against – look, Hawaii's not good, but they were impressive. Um, I'm not a believer in this LSU team. They're replacing a ton both on the coaching staff and on the field. I don't really believe in Max Johnson. Uh, A lot of people are saying the Miles Brennan injury doesn't matter because he was going to be the starter anyways. I don't know how much I believe that. I think this was going to be close. I just – I feel like LSU wins an ugly game late, but this one is very, very trappy in my opinion. So, Dorian Thompson, um, I think he went 10 for 20 last week against Hawaii. Now it didn't matter because he they did. blew him out. But he didn't have, from a statistical standpoint, not a great game. No. Um, that said – um, I'm going to play UCLA money line in real life mm. because I am not, uh, look, I, I don't know that UCLA is that great, but we're, we're giving LSU too much credit because of what is on their Jersey. Are they going to have talent? Sure. But like, that's a this lazy a take at number. this point. Mm. That's right. I, I mean, yes, they do have talent. I mean, newsflash, but I've watched many Ole Miss teams far less talented beat LSU. And they're going to have to travel across. Now, mind you, they're practicing in Houston right now. And I know Nick said earlier, I think before we got on, or maybe while we were on here, that people are human and this and that. And, like, 
Hurricane Ida and all that stuff. But this is a weird week for LSU. I mean, sure, I guess they could go to L.A. and they could win, you know, by 30 points. And then y'all can call me an idiot. That's fine. But, you know, traveling across the country is hard. I mean, it, it like uh, that in and of itself is hard, mm-hmm. but doing it and having to, you know, kind of go in shifts to Houston and practice. And then we're going to get back on the plane and we're going to fly to um, LA and, and, the, and we're going to play UCLA. Who's already p- had a week of, to play. And w- oh, by the way, we're going to do it with a quarterback who didn't really even know he was the starter until miles Brennan got hurt. And while I think Max Johnson could be a fine quarterback, the problem is, is like, man, if you can't beat Miles Brennan out from the get-go, I mean, how good really are you? So, and, the, you know, that's not to disparage the kid. That's just me being honest. I, I just, I'm not a believer in LSU at all. I, I don't think that they, I think they've got good athletes. And I think that's where it begins and ends. They don't have a good head coach. They don't have, you know, we they, uh, they're unproven at quarterback. So give me UCLA, the team that returns the most. Yeah, I agree with you, Ben. I like the money line pick. I bet UCLA in real life at four a few days ago or about a week ago now. Um, that move down, I think, was in response to their performance against Hawaii. And I think it was justified. But you're right about DTR. If Chip Kelly lets DTR throw the ball 15 times against LSU, he needs to be fired on the spot. Like LSU's corners are probably the best in the country. But LSU's rush defense is not very good at all. In fact, last year, you know, we're used to LSU being pretty salty in the front seven. I think they were 65th in rushing yards uh, allowed per game. Um, They didn't really do much to improve there in the transfer portal or with recruiting. Um, UCLA showed me last week that they can be a little smash mouth. Now, you know, they're not Alabama, but, but Chip Kelly can line up and run it. And I think actually prefers to, they're going to do some zone read with DTR. They've got two really capable backs, including Michigan transfer. Their defense also looked pretty good as well. Now, again, Hawaii was not a good team. I do expect LSU to get theirs. But I don't think it's going to be a track meet at all. I think Chip Kelly is going to be smart enough to slow the game down, to lean on LSU a little bit. I think he's going to have some success with it. Um, If the number were just a little higher, I'd lock in and under here. I think we're around 65 right now. That that's pretty close to uh, to where I think we land eventually in terms of uh, score. I I can see a 34, 31 UCLA win. But look, I wouldn't be surprised at all if UCLA pulls it out um, outright. I would definitely take the points as an insurance policy. I, I don't see how you could advocate laying them with LSU on the road at this point. Yeah. I, I will add to that. You don't have much to add about the game on this, but this is probably my most intriguing game of the week. Um, simply because, I mean, the Georgia Clemson game will be good. Of course, uh, Georgia probably needs it if they want to have a chance to go into the college football playoff. Um, because they're not beating Alabama at the end of the year. So that would be two losses. But Clemson doesn't really need it. I mean, they could they could lose this game and they go out and dominate, win, win 12 in a row and probably go to the college football playoff. So this, to me, I mean, this is a big deal from an Ole Miss perspective to see what LSU is this year. I don't think there's any doubt, uh, talking about Ole Miss, that this is a swing game. If mm-hmm. Ole Miss wants to go 6-6 six and six, or if they want to have a chance at 9-3, and three, you know, something like that, beating LSU is a big, big game. So kind of seeing what they've, what, what LSU's got, it's a big deal to me. And, and also seeing what, what Chip Kelly's doing out there in year four with UCLA, I think, I think they're going to make some strides. So Mm. this is to me, maybe the biggest question mark game, 
Um, and I think, you know, this would be the one that if you, you could tell me a score right now, this is the one I'd love to know kind of ahead of time. So, um, all right, well, that's, that's all the Saturday big games, at least top 25 matchups. Uh, we want to talk at all about, I mean, I don't have anything to say. Notre Dame is minus seven and a half on Sunday night at Florida state. I, I mean, I'll watch it cause it's football, but I mean, that, that's just a two totally different class of program at this point. Yeah, I'm yeah. shocked that that number has crept down that low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little little strange. Open um, to ten and a half. Uh, yeah, I. Man, now that you mention it, ooh, that's an enticing one. Um. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, Ian Book's gone. Jack Cohn from Wisconsin's transferred in. I think that Brian Kelly has gotten to this point where his teams have an identity and they're going to recruit really good offensive linemen. They're going to recruit talented tight ends and they're going to have running backs and they're going to run the football down your throat and throw to tight ends on third down. And Kyron Williams is back. He was incredible as a redshirt freshman, ran for over 1,100 yards, had 13 rushing touchdowns. He was really good. Um, Tommy Reese, as a first-year offensive coordinator, was really impressive. I thought play calling was a lot of fun. The games were super exciting from normally Brian Kelly was pretty vanilla somewhat on offense with kind of how he methodically would just try to beat people up. Man, I got another game that I really like, and I want to lay. I, I want to lock in. I, I would lay the points with Notre Dame here. That the rosters aren't even close to being compared here. I think the Irish have the better players, and they definitely have the better coach. So yeah, I'd lay the points with Notre Dame here. Yeah, I completely agree. Outside of the obvious, like four of Bama, Clemson. Um, Ohio State, um, who am I missing? Uh, Georgia. Like, is Notre Dame over the last – Oklahoma. Three, Oklahoma, there you go. Over the last three, four years, are they the fifth best program in the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so these rosters are not even close. Now, Notre Dame lost a lot. I mean, they lost four NFL players on the offensive line, and they're replacing a quarterback who was serviceable. Not great, but serviceable. One thirty games. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think Cone is a really a glorified game manager here. So if they don't ask too much of him, I think they easily cover this number. They're, they're going to have Notre Dame it being the they. Or they're going to have one of the best defenses in the country. Um, and at this point, it is not clear who Florida State's quarterback will be. You know, they brought in McKenzie Milton, but unfortunately it appears that, you know, one of the most exciting yeah. quarterbacks in the country a few years ago is not fully healed. And even if he – has fully healed. He's not the same player he was because he's battling Jordan Travis for the job. Um, so yeah, Mike, I, Mike Norvell's doing that shit where he doesn't name a starter. Yeah, but I don't think he's being cute about that. I mean, I think he's legitimately at this point. I, I think there's some uncertainty there. I, if it's Jordan Travis, Florida State's just going to have to run the ball. I mean, it's going to be like you know the old Auburn Gus Malzahn sort of souped-up wishbone look out of the shotgun. If that's the case. Look, Notre Dame's going to be content to grind it out with them. Notre Dame's got good backs. They got good tight ends. Have a good game manager at quarterback. I lean to the under here, 
I'm going to stay away from it. But yeah, you got to lay the seven and a half. I, I think it's, you know, 35, 17 Notre Dame. Yeah. I can't add anything that I agree with all that. I mean, truly, I, I have no analysis to add. I don't think that, I mean, I'm, you know, this is a, this is a, also another, what y'all call it, legacy number. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, Florida State under Mike Norvell, I mean, who does this Florida State team beat the 2015 Memphis Tigers? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. So give me Notre Dame. Also, by the Wait. way, Florida State supposedly having some COVID issues as well. Um, their message board is saying their top three backs may be out going into this game. So take that for Wait, what it's Nick, worth. What did you have the number at? He must be on it's mute. Got, it's got to be on mute. I think it's seven and a half. He might have said BRB. Um, if it's seven and a half, yeah, I'm laying them and I'm locking it in. The more oh, I think like about it. it, yeah, I'm locking it. The more I think about it, man, like also when you mentioned like how where they are in the the echelon of of programs right now, like look, I know everybody likes to poke fun at Notre Dame and everybody likes to make fun of Rudy. Yeah, and me, me included, say, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, look, like like I said, like they Brian Kelly has an identity. They have figured out a way to recruit around the rigorous academic standards at that school and look that's not a joke like that's a real thing they have to recruit a certain kind of player to be able to get admitted to that university um but look yeah they make the college playoff and the college football playoff and a lot of times they get whipped but they still win year in year out the same way and i just think that with the way that they're going to try to work Jack Cohen and get him into a groove and with what they have coming back in the backfield with Kyra Williams, I think he could be one of the better running backs in the country. Um, and Chris Tyree as well. I mean, they got a great one-two punch at running back. Right. Yeah. Speedy guy. Um, I mean, a lot of hype around Michael Mayer. People think that he could be an all-American caliber tight end. And they're going to have dudes on that defense, and I just don't really know what to think about Mike Norvell and Florida State right now. I, I don't, I don't believe in them. I don't, I don't know. I, it's kind of like Miami. Like I don't get the hype. Like Nick was saying earlier, it's a legacy thing with like, oh, it's Florida State. You know, you know the the whole you know OCL is running out and they're you know they're throwing the spear at midfield like that. But that doesn't do it for anybody anymore i I do think they will be better though and i will look to bet them later in the season but but norvell's offense and i know this is no shit everybody's offense requires a quarterback but norvell's especially i mean he is dependent on dynamic quarterback play and if mckenzie milton is a shadow of his former self and they have to play jordan travis he is not going to get dynamic quarterback play out of jordan travis so you know while florida state may have some advantages on the outside in terms of athleticism maybe I just don't see how you get ball the ball in these guys' hands. I, I don't I don't see them winning any miss like matchups on the outside. I don't see them lining up and road grading Notre Dame at all. So I don't I don't see no. the path toward a victory here for Florida State. But later in the year, I think I will look to bet them uh, as the opportunity presents itself. And and last thing here before we move move on, I, I mean I, Notre Dame looked really good last year when they played an ACC schedule, and I know the ACC is not world beaters by any means 
but they played an actual conference schedule last year and they were fantastic. Now I know that was with a different quarterback and they lost a ton, but I just think that Brian Kelly's done a fantastic job and he's completely rebuilt that roster and has completely just cultivated this, this, this identity that they have. And I, I just think they're going to be too much for Florida state. Yeah, I don't – I mean, seven to me is, is kind of crazy. I mean, Florida State will be better. But Notre Dame, they're, they're recruiting in a different level. And that thing's kind of running itself up there, and it's kind of running itself independent of UGA, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's in that next tier almost almost kind of by itself. I mean, yeah, maybe Oregon, but they've not been quite as consistent. Maybe Wisconsin, same thing with them. Other than that, I mean, it's almost like they just kind of do their own thing under the radar and no one notices. Mm-hmm. And I think that Notre Dame is going to be too much. I, and Notre Dame can't afford to screw around because, you know, with playing that independent schedule, you know, having that mm-hmm. one less game, you've got to look good every time you come out, especially, you know, you, you, you'll probably slip up once. So you really can't afford to, to, to look bad, you know, in, in the games that you win. So, all right, last game of the weekend. The big one, Ole Miss started at minus seven and a half. Uh, I think it's been bet all the way up to – I've got it at ten and a half for uh, Ole Miss laying the points against Louisville. Over under started at 74 and a half, just up to 75 and a half. I, I would lay the points. I think um, – new offensive coordinator from Malik Cunningham – He's – I think he's going to be really – his feet are going to be to the fire trying to kind of reignite that 2019 fire that he had where he played really well. He was probably the third-best quarterback in the ACC that year. Um, his QBR was outstanding. He took care of the football last year. I know COVID was a weird year, but threw a lot of picks, lost a lot of fumbles try to do a little bit too much. I think he is going to be kind of more of the same in this game. Um, the defense wasn't great for Louisville last year. I think they're, you know, honestly, we talked about it on our last show, the the parallels of Ole Miss and Louisville, where it's like, man, the defense has got to be a little bit better and they can win some games. Um, I, I just think Ole Miss is just going to be too much for them offensively. Matt Corral, I think, is a man on a mission this year. I think he's out to prove people wrong and to show that he is a legitimate NFL prospect and to kind of do away with the LSU and Arkansas games of last year where he made a ton of mistakes. And, look, I mean, Ole Miss can kind of, you know, choose your own adventure here. I think they can really throw it around the yard with Corral and the receivers with Brandon Sanders, Ontario Drummond. Um, Jonathan Mingo, um, whoever's at tight end, they're going to figure out a way to utilize them. Uh, they can either do that or they can run the football with Ely, Connor, Paris, Bullock, Willard, whoever it is. I, I just think Ole Miss just starts out really fast, and I don't think Louisville can keep pace, so I'd lay the points. Yeah, I tend Look, to agree. I, Zach, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Allison. No, no, you go. I tend to agree. I, I uh, listened to your preview with the guy from Louisville the other day. It seems that in a lot of respects, Louisville is a very poor man's version of Ole Miss. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just go top to bottom, though. I don't know where 
they have an advantage against the Ole Miss. Uh, you know, their defense struggled last year against inferior competition. They certainly never saw an off- offense like Ole Miss's um, last year. I expect Ole Miss to be every bit as productive as they were last year. I know Elijah Moore is gone, but I think there are going to be plenty of people who are capable of matching that production. It's just going to be a committee approach this year, but there are guys in that room who are capable of spreading out those receptions and, and matching that production. Um you know, one thing that gave me some pause was the fact that uh, Louisville outgained nine of their 11 opponents last year. They lost four games by a touchdown or less. So they are probably due for some positive regression. I just don't think it comes against the Ole Miss in game one. Um, I think Matt Corral and company are going to make a statement. He's a legitimate Heisman candidate. Lane Kiffin knows that. Lane Kiffin knows if you want to attract high-level quarterback recruits to Ole Miss, you need Matt Corral to be relevant in the national conversation, the Heisman conversation. I think if Kiffin can put a 50 spot on Louisville, he's going to. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what would stop uh, Kiffin from putting a 50 spot on Louisville to look at their defensive numbers last year. Um, unless they do the whole drop eight thing and, you know, Kiffin's forced to run the ball with his four-headed monster at running back, which they're perfectly capable of. Ole Miss has got one of the better offensive lines in the SEC and in the country. Um it opened at seven and has moved to ten and a half. I don't like that move because it feels, you know, you hate to chase steam in these situations. Um, having said that, if I got a pick, I'm absolutely laying the points. Let's call it uh, 42-30 Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I'm laying the points. There's not a lot to – I mean, y'all have covered pretty much everything. Look, I think that Matt Corral has got a chance to have the best season – of any Ole Miss quarterback ever. And um, that's having lost Yaboa and Elijah Moore. I also think that this is the year that Jerry and Ely has to make himself, you know, he's had some, it's not to say that he hasn't been very good, but if he's going to be an NFL back, he's got to make himself obviously an NFL back. I mean, think about the guys who from the SEC who go to the NFL and have huge success, like Todd Gurley, those type of players. You just you know it when you're watching them. Deuce McAllister, like it, those guys are elite, elite. And I'm not trying to say Jerry Neely is Deuce McAllister, but I do expect that the running backs led by him are going to be very, very good. You know, if we we're going to talk about him being one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, then it starts with him. So I expect him to be really good. Matt Corral is obviously going to be very good. I don't think the receivers are going to be quite what they were last year, but I think they're going to be plenty good enough, especially in a Matt or I'm sorry, in a Lane Kiffin uh, system, Jeff Levy system. Um, the offensive line, we have not even talked about them. Our, the O line is going to be very, very good and returns almost everybody. And, um, you know, Ben Brown, those guys, you're talking about several guys who are going to have pretty long NFL careers. So um, I think the offense is very, very elite. And I think Ole Miss is going to score, you know, Austin, you, you nailed it at 52. I think it's going to be a low 50s for Ole Miss. Um, the defense is a question mark. I don't really know what Ole Miss is going to be like up front. I think the secondary is going to be okay, even though it was like, what, 129th in the country in pass defense last year, 126 or whatever. I mean, just something atrocious. I, I think adding Otis Reese and kind of moving some guys around are going to be better. And I think just frankly having another year playing together, they're going to be better. Um, all that, you know, they didn't look terrible against, uh, Indiana. So I think, I think Ole Miss wins this one by two touchdowns. I'm not that as afraid of the 10 and a half as, 
as Austin was, but I would definitely lay the points. Um, and if I were considering to bet this, I would take under 75 and a half or 70. Yeah. That's just a huge number. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's huge. <clears throat> like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's kind of like those games where, you know, in the past where Austin said, you know, 36 is too low for college football. And then the game ends up being 10 to seven. Um, you know, this one could be 52 to 49, but I would take under 76 and a half for our picking it, but lay the points. Well, and two, I would add that, you know, outside of Matt Corral, who's Ole Miss's best player on offense, a running back, but their second best player, probably a running back. Running back yeah. Third best player. Heck, it might be a running back. And if it's not, it's it maybe John Rice Plumley. So, Point being offensive lineman. Yeah, well, it's it's almost certainly an offensive lineman, honestly, if we if we get down past two or three, really. But point being that I think Ole Miss could, I don't want to say slow the game down, because that sounds absurd, but I think it it could inadvertently slow the game down just because the backs are going to have the ball in their hands in in some form or fashion, be that I easy passes out of the backfield or runs. So it plays that will take 40, 45 seconds off the play clock and will shorten the game just a little bit. I just don't really love the Louisville offense. So I, I'm I'm going – I mean, I hate the hook. I absolutely hate not having that on that 10-point, 10-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, I'm going to say something to the effect of uh, maybe 38, maybe 38-24. I think Ole Miss's defense is going to be much improved. They pretty much – and it's not that they've graduated everyone on the defensive side. It's just that everyone on the defensive side was so bad, they just either told them to get lost or told them that they're going to be second on the team. So, I mean, Ole Miss is bringing in, what, nine, eight new eight new guys on defense that are going to play a good bit at, at the, on the top-level starters. Mm-hmm. So, that weren't on that team last year. And I just – I have to think they're better than the guys who were. They just – I mean, because by, by that, you know, mantra, they can't be any worse. So I think the defense is going to be much improved, at least in this first game. I just – Austin, I think it was you that just mentioned it. Ben, if it was you, I apologize. But somebody mentioned laying a 50 spot and Lane Kiffin knowing how to recruit and knowing how much this game means and being on the big stage and the only game on Monday night, prime time, in Mercedes-Benz, I, I just think that he is going to really emphasize the importance of this game and making a statement, announcing your presence as, look, like we're, we're not just some bullshit flash in the pan Cinderella in the West. Like we're a real team. Um, and I really don't think it matters how they attack Louisville like I said, when I was picking the game, I think they can do it either in the air or with the ground game, because I think the staff would love to just run the football. I mean, they run that power spread scheme. The offensive line is extremely talented. They have the backs to do it. So if they need to, like if, if Louisville wants to drop eight and, you know, okay, okay, Matt Corral, let's see if you learned anything. If they do that, like Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin will be salivating to do that because they will just pound the run game. So I think that that's huge. And not that Scott Satterfield and Louisville is going to be, you know, they're going to be saying the same thing. Like, hey, guys, it's, you know, big opportunity to, you know, make a statement. But, like, I just think Ole Miss just has the better offense. And I'm with you, Nick. I, I think Ole Miss is going to be better on defense. I'm not saying they're going to be top 40 in the country. 
they don't even have to be top 40. They just need to be like top 80. And this team is going to be incredibly dangerous. So yeah, I, to me, it just kind of screams as like a coming out party for this offense and for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss to really just step on Louisville's throat and, and not let off. All right, do we have a couple more locks, I think? Who Who is left? Have I only given two? No, I think you guys... and Austin each have one. Huh, left, who, left. who did I lock in? One, you have one left to get. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, what uh, have I uh, played so far? Ohio State minus 14 and yeah. Alabama minus uh, 18 and a half. I can throw one right, out give there. Me Ole Miss. You, did y'all like an Ole Miss? Miss? Give me yeah. Ole Miss and the uh, laying the points. Was it 10 and a Ooh. half? I'll yeah. chase the heat. Yep. Okay. I was going to, Austin, if you want to take the alley-oop here. No, I think um, I see a landmine that I can't wait to step on here. So um, let's do, Nick, what you got on Texas and Lafayette? Uh, I think Texas minus eight was the last I saw. Let me lay the eight with the Texas Longhorns. Um, so look, this line opened in the offseason at 14 and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, when a line steams down that low, like I'm just going to go with Vegas nine times out of ten on that. I don't think we know something that they don't know, right? I know last year Iowa State lost um, in the open to Lafayette, but that Lafayette had two special teams touchdowns. That was a really funky game. In their other games, though, Lafayette beat Georgia State by three. They beat Georgia Southern by three. They beat UTSA by a touchdown. They beat Arkansas State by a touchdown. They beat App State by three. So in six of their seven coin toss games last year, Lafayette won. But they were living on the edge in every game. I, look, if, if you win coin flips, you're going to see some regression. I just think top to bottom, the Texas roster is much better than Lafayette's roster. Although Lafayette returns a ton and Napier is a good coach. I think Sarkeesian's a really good coach as well. Hudson Card is supposedly legit. That's really my only concern is quarterback play from Texas. And I know it should be a big one, but Card has uh, been drawing rave reviews in camp. Um, and they're going to play Casey Thompson as well, who we saw in the bowl game last year for Texas. He looked really good. So even if they have to go with the vet, it's a good option to have. I think eight is just too low, given the disparity between these two programs. Uh, let's call it Texas 35, Lafayette 21. Um, Sark opens the year as a two-touchdown winner and then goes to Arkansas and beats the shit out of the Hawks. Mm. Love it. I think that's a really, gonna- really good pick to add on. That was that was one of them I looked at. I also looked at uh, – I think Arkansas is um, – let me pull this. Let me pull this back up. Arkansas on here for you guys. Arkansas is 19 and a half point favorites to Rice. Am I missing yeah. something? It's Arkansas and Rice. And I don't think Arkansas is going to have a great offense or anything, but what? Arkansas and Rice. This was my one that just missed the board. Look, I hope Arkansas wins by 30 and Texas just barely covers so that we get a crazy line in week mm-hmm. two. Um, mm-hmm. like, like, like Texas minus three. Exactly. Because that's better than sex that. right there. Yeah. So let's root for like an, a 30 point win by Arkansas and for Texas just to win by nine. Hmm. 
my one that I was going to throw out there if, if people were clamoring for one. I, and this was the one that I struggled with before I went with Notre Dame for my last lock. I absolutely love the Indiana, Ohio, or Ohio, Indiana, Iowa under. Like rod fight. Oh, it's just going to be. What's the total? 45? That's pretty low. 45. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be like 20, 22, 20 type game. <laughs> I mean, that's close, I mean, but like, I, I still think it's going to be low. I like I mean, Iowa might, to cover there as well. Lay the I mean, three it might them. be, it might be like 19 to 16. Perfect. Also, is Fresno getting too much love? They're getting 20 and a half at Oregon. I, I'm not seeing that. I, I think Oregon covers that easy. Sorry if one of y'all picked Fresno plus 20 and a half. It's a I lot mean, of points for a team that's already played a game, though. I mean, uh, you you think Oregon's not going to co- beat them by three touchdowns? I'm saying Fresno's already had a game. You know, Fresno's, you know, play, they played pretty good last week. I mean, I get it. Was, I mean, they hard. beat you, you just because okay, you're salty I, okay. about UConn. <laughs> Look, 45 nothing, 45 nothing. I wasn't going to mention the opponent. No, yeah. yeah sure. But no, I mean you're you're probably right. But I just it, it does help that they've already played a game. Yeah, and the back door may be open there too. Is the only problem. It's just if it gets late and Oregon's uninterested like with 5 minutes left or something. Um, I mean, we've been doing this long enough though that 20 and a half they're begging you to take Oregon. That's right. Because the hook's below. So you know, Fresno is probably there just like there's 22 and a half. Cincinnati's laying 22 and a half. Yeah. They're begging you to take Miami of Ohio. That's right. Another one I looked at was UCF and Boise. I, I kind of like UCF in that opener down in Florida. It's going to be hot as hell. They're, they're laying under a touchdown with one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I know Gus, you know, at Auburn didn't exactly blow people out of the water with his offense. But, you know, Boise's replacing a lot, including their head coach. That's a cross-country trip to the swamp i don't know under a touchdown feels light that does feel light wow and that that, that's really light i might have to play that in real life that's going in a parlay for sure so wait austin did you pick your third yeah i'm going with texas i'm gonna lock it in at eight i I have to get involved in that game somehow there's a lot of what did you get ucf at five that yeah man that's low that's too low, man. Veteran coach, veteran quarterback. Again, I know it's a different offense, but still. Mm. So quickly before we get off, have y'all watched Hard Knocks any? No. This season? No. Boise like has a sneaky high amount of NFL players. That, It'll be, you know, there'll be a guy in there and they'll just be like, hey, this guy played at Boise. I'm like, golly, man. I mean, it's just random guys. I think Demarcus Lawrence, didn't he play at Boise? I don't know. I know they've turned out some linebackers and running backs over the last few years. He played at Boise from Aiken, South Carolina, 29 years old. Wow. Mm. I know. Crazy. I'd, real quick, um, we, we mentioned them earlier, the Thunderbirds. Uh, Southern Utah is um, they're getting 44 and a half against Arizona State this week. It's, it's not enough. They're awful. <laughs> and I, I mean, that Arizona is State so- may not be great. It's so bad. <laughs> wait, wait. Who who's laying forty four and a half? 
Arizona State uh, to, to Southern Utah. But but I mean Southern Utah's a bad FCS team. Are they as bad as yeah. South Dakota? That's what I want to know. Uh, I need I need Kansas to win Saturday. If you're if you're a betting person, bet on Kansas. Man, guys, y'all, if Kansas loses Saturday, I've lost. <sighs> you're done. You're done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> then they will. Y'all know they will. It'll be like 38 to three. We'll be like, oh my god. <laughs> they they'll. This will be step one in closing the football program down. <laughs> the year that you back their over, they just shudder it. I cannot believe I just bet an over, even at one, on a team who went 0 and 9 last year. Unbelievable. Golly, what a time. Um, all right. So I think, I think that about, I think we're good. Are we good? Yeah. We good. All right. That's going to do it. Wait. So that's everything I got. Okay. Yeah. So week one, Legal Gambling Council, we are a wrap. Uh, the locks we have got on the docket here. North Carolina minus five and a half. Southern Cal, San Jose State over 59 and a half. Texas minus eight. Ohio State minus 14. Bama minus 18 and a half. Ole Miss minus 10. Ohio State, Minnesota under 63. Tulane, Oklahoma under 69. Bama first half minus 10 and a half. Penn State, Wisconsin under 15 and a half. Clemson minus three. Notre Dame. Minus seven and a half. That is going to do it for this week's Legal Gambling Council. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the gentlemen for uh, joining me earlier in the week than we are accustomed to because I will be out of town. Um, But again, we'll be back next week for week two. We'll have more coverage of the Ole Miss Louisville game on the site, redcoverbellion.com. And we'll be back, like I said, next week to pick week two. So, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we bid adieu here? No, sir. Happy right. happy gamblings. Absolutely. I'm currently locking in a parlay as we speak. Yeah. So um, Maybe mix in a little coffee on Monday because uh, it's kind of a late game, 7 mm-hmm. o'clock. I mean, it could be pushing 11 p.m. 11? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking like midnight. Well, I was going to say, I was, are you kidding me? Yeah. 11, we'd be lucky. I mean, if this NFL, we'd be done at 10 15. I could it, still, yeah, you know, have right. a bowl of cereal, walk isn't the it, dog. Isn't it eight o'clock Eastern time? That's so late. Mm. Who could say? Are y'all going um, to the game? No, no I mean, going? When they pushed it to Monday, it, it killed off all hope. I mean, yeah, some of right. us have real Same. jobs, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be taking in the game from a tropical setting. So, um, but I'll still be working. But uh, I'll be watching. I'll figure out a way. Um, but yeah, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for uh, tuning in. Thank you to the sponsors for making the show possible. Um, I, hey, we're back. Week one, baby. No more week zero. We got three locks apiece. Lock them in. Get your parlays. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week, week two. So for Ben, for Nick, for Austin, I'm Zach. It's been Podcast Thank you all for listening. We out.